Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ike MMA podcast or the Ike MMA, MMA show. I'm joined here today by the world famous Phil Bloodline Casper. I think Bloodline's like your middle nickname that it has on your IG uh, yeah. bio. Um, you are a world famous um, Muay Thai kickboxer. And I also call you a mixed martial arts athlete as well. Uh, I, I personally don't go by that, ah, that name. Um, I have delved in other martial arts before, mm. but I wouldn't call myself a mixed martial artist, not. But, uh, I looked at your stats, uh, man, it's a really, really impressive uh, resume. Uh, you're the MTGB um, champion, uh, British um, champion and the MTGB GP, a European champion, ranks number seven in the world and ranks number five here in the UK. That's, uh, so I was really, really impressive. And what shocks me even more is that the gym that, that, that you're fighting out of your team, is literally on my doorstep where I live here in Hackney. I was thinking, what, just, I'm, I'm also into mixed martial arts. I really am. I'm, I still consider myself very much a novice, but I do wonder why I just never ever stepped foot in that gym just to be, see what it's like and just to at least have one lesson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, it's on your doorstep as you just said. So you got no excuse now to come. No, no, definitely, definitely. Um, so, um, Look, I saw your um, fight, your most recent fight back in April at the um, at the Muay Thai um, Grand Prix um, here in the in in London. Was it the O2 Indigo? Is it the Correct. yeah, yeah. Uh, yes? Um, really, really impressive uh, fight. Thank you. I have to say that in that fight, all um, five rounds, you're really dominating your opponent. And at some point, you know, I just even listening to the commentators, I was sat there ringside. They were even saying just kind of what they were saying was a match and what, what I was seeing there, you know, as time went on, Dan Bonner was getting tired, getting worn out, and you could see that his stance and his offence was getting quite sloppy towards the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's been a bit of controversy with all of that as well. Um, we, I've watched the fight back um, and the commentary doesn't match the fight. Um which doesn't really make sense, but I'm I'm not a commentator and I'm a fighter and that's my job. Yeah. So I'm not really asked about the, he said, she said, people have their opinions. Commentating is going to be subjective. It's what you're seeing and how you interpret it. Yes. Um, me personally, I, I did my job and the right person won, the, won on the night. Um, yes, there was an element of me. I got tired in the third round. Um, and then Bonner pressed on. I would actually give him that round. I think he, he did well in that round, but it wasn't a convincing round where he outscored or outpointed me. I just did less work. Um, I guess to a degree on that third round, but I gave myself a round off. Now, I've done the, the judging for Muay Thai. So I've, I'm an official judge and co- uh, judge and referee. So, I know out of a five-round fight, if I win the the first two, I take one round off, and then I win the next two, mathematically, I win the fight. Mm-hmm. So even if you gave him a round or gave him two rounds, if I've won three of the five, then I, you, you can't, you haven't won, you can't beat me. So, yes, yeah. but yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not a judge. I, I, I'm an active fighter. I've done the coursing for, but I'm not an active judge or an active referee, nor am I a commentator. So I just go in there do my job, and that, that's all I can do. Do you know what I mean? No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. And you know what makes it even worse is that a lot of the people who are doing the judging, who are doing the assessing for, let's say, not just in sports or combat sports or anything, I think it's really painful when we're whether the person who's doing the assessment actually has no knowledge of the, as in no proper knowledge or at least first-hand experience of the activity that they're supposed to be assessing and marking, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And um, I don't, I to some degree, I agree with what you're saying. But I don't think if you haven't lived it or done it, you can't be very good at what you do. That's it. Um, yeah. And there's that, that old age argument that, a coach can't a good you can't be a good coach if you was never a good fighter, which I don't really agree with. You could have been a rubbish fighter but a great coach. But then on the flip side, you could be a great f- fighter and a rubbish coach. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it doesn't always translate over because you could be really good at taking the information in, but not giving the information back. Mm-hmm. And it's the same you see it in football all the time. Some of the greatest managers were rubbish football players, but they're great coaches because they've got the mind and they're good at strategy and they're good at te- uh, tactics and stuff like that. So if they've got a really good tactical mind, then they can be a great coach and and great managers and stuff. And very similar with the judging. It's hard to judge because the judge can't feel pain. So yeah, although yeah. something's landing, it's, it may not be very effective. But if it's, if someone's punching and they're punching and they're landing well, but the other person's coming forward and the punches aren't really affecting them, yes, you've landed a punch, but you don't score for every single punch that you land. Yeah, if I land yeah. a big body kick and, and you step back and you can clearly see damage on the body, that effectively is what should be scoring. But again, I'm not an official judge or referee, so I, I just go by what I've been taught and how the scoring should work. Been to Thailand, I've studied the game, I love the game, I love the sport. So, yeah, in my knowledge, somebody's body kicking, showing good effect, moving their opponent, that scores more than you throwing a flurry of punches to a guard. So, yeah, it is, again, like I said, subjective, but yeah, but, just do my job and let them do their But it, it must be painful. I mean, um, all because of one person's uh, decision or what they think. All of the hard work you put into competing on that day or that night, making weights, uh, sticking to a diet plan, training and just sacrificing, all the sacrifices you've made, including people closest to you, your nearest and dearest families and even friends, it must really, really feel really painful when by because one person who again has not been in there, so hasn't done it because they thought differently, all of that goes out the window. You know, you don't come out the successful winner, you know, the other side. Yeah, if I think I hear what you, again, I, I understand what you're saying. If I had have come out of there and I had lost that fight or the decision had gone the other way, I'd have been distraught because yeah. I know yeah. how much I put into that. The, the diet in the training, the, the sparring, traveling up and down the country, training with other people, just so I got, yeah. I became the sponge, and that's how I've always been. But for that fight, I really put in a thousand percent effort, more so than I train hard for every fight, and I take every fight very seriously. But that one, obviously, there was there was a lot at stake. Um, my opponent had called me out before. I had an opponent change. I hadn't fought for over two years. So there was a lot going on. And at this stage of my career, it needed to make sense. And I'm not just having a fight for having a fight's sake. I'm not a young 20-year-old anymore. I I don't recover as quickly as I was when I was 24, when I started and all the rest of it. So it needs to make sense. I'm not going to put myself through all of that just for the sake of having a fight. It doesn't make sense to me. No, I understand. So, yeah, if if I'd have put in all that effort and the result didn't go my way, yes, I would have been distraught. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody in the game really has seen that fight live or watched it back on social media or on YouTube can say that I lost the fight. Um, I, I, I watched I the fight. very clear. So, yeah, people have their opinions, but yeah, job done. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I watched that fight. I mean, even at the beginning of the fight, you were really dominating your opponent. I mean, seriously, the assault offense you were coming in with, the kicks and the, the shot and the shots, you were, again, you, know, you like you dominated each and every round there. But which round is it that you say that actually, uh, I think you, you mentioned that it went to the, your opponent? So me personally, I know that I lost round three. Um, round three, the middle round. So I was dominant, very dominant in the first two rounds. So round one and yeah. two, clearly mine. Uh, round three, I took a, a round off. Um, and I got my second wind in four and five. Okay. So I'm happy to give four, give round three to, to my opponent. That's cool. I know I lost that round. Um, and even watching it back, cause in, in the, in the moment, obviously, you don't remember everything. All I do remember is my coach is saying, right, you, you've given him a round. There was no reason for you to give him that round. You're all over this guy. Why have you given him the round off? And I said to him, I'm, I was tired in that round. 
So I said, I had a round off. I know I need to bring it back for the next two rounds. And that was effectively what happened because you saw, you saw the tables ch- turn. Mm-hmm. And we, he was pressing forward, but not being very effective with the work. So although it looked like he was the busier guy coming forward and he was pressuring me, he wasn't effectively landing shots. And even when he did, I was still coming forward. So I, I can write that round off. That's fine. You can have it. But then if I win the next two, which I did, there's, there's no competition. Do you know what I mean? Like I won fair and square. But yeah, it is what it is. It's like the Holly Holmes um, and Catlin situation that happened over the weekend at the UFC Vegas 55. I watched that fight and I have to say, as I was watching it, it you know, I was kind of torn. I was really in the middle because I felt the fight was so close. But overall, Holly Holmes really did seem like she was coming out um, on top. Like she was more, much more of the uh, successor and still uh, the win went to her opponent and... Um, Again, there was some controversy in the mixed martial arts community were reacting, uh, that's another, the uh, fight should have gone to, the win should have gone to Holly Holmes, especially when there was, um, they weren't clinching against the fence. I think, yeah. uh, opponent had her in a, in a really tight clinch and, and just miraculously Holly managed to just free herself from, I think, hearing, hearing from the commentary, she, I think she lowered her other shoulder that was, you couldn't see, and she managed to get yeah. out of it. Uh, so it was just things that, Things like that happened in the fight. You would think that the win should have gone to her. She should have scored more points. But again, George, I'm assuming have never been in that situation. I've never actually competed in any sort of combat sport. They thought differently and the win went the other way. And you must, you know, seeing, um, just, you know, of course, again, like I said to you, she must put in so much hard work, sacrifices, you know. Yeah. And all of that feels like it's just gone straight down the toilet. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It is. Um, it, again, is that old age saying, never leave it to the judges. Um, but you're not going to clean everybody out and you're going to have tougher fights than others. So sometimes you are going to be in deep water and you're going to have a really tough fight. But yeah, there needs to be some sort of level playing field and everybody needs to be singing off of the same hymn sheet because you see it in boxing quite often where the scorecards are so wild. You, you almost got to believe that whoever judged that wild, that they weren't watching the same fight or they were watching a fight on their phone whilst this actual live show was going on. Because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the scoring sometimes is is bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. But, yeah, it is what it is. Until until something's put in place where everybody has to score exactly the same, I don't think it's ever going to change. Um, and that's just the, the, the reality of it, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the first time that I've interviewed you. Um, although you and I have been talking just here and there once in a while on uh, on Instagram. Um, so take me back to the beginning, as in what got you into a Muay Thai and beyond that combat sports, as in what started and, and triggered your interest in the sport? Yeah, um, how I started was funny, actually. I, I did judo at a very high level, and that was kind of like the beginning of my martial arts journey. Um, I got injured, um, so I had to stop. And that was just after I qualified for the Olympics. And I was I was gutted because I put in so much effort at that level. So I stopped, and I, I, I couldn't train anymore. It was about two years I had to have off. And when I went back, it was never the same. I had to start from the very beginning again. And that was really gut-wrenching because being at the top of my game and then having to start at the very beginning... It, it it was a lot of work. And at that time, my, my sister was just born. So there was a lot of family stuff going on as well. And it wasn't fair for my mum and my sister to have to wait for an hour and a half, two hours while I was training in the cold in the winters. And I just I basically said to my mum, look, at 13, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, fast forward, I always used to watch Muay Thai. There was a programme, I think it was on Channel 4 or Channel 5. And it was Now Is The Time. And it was kickboxing in Muay Thai in the UK. Um, and I absolutely loved that show. I always stayed up. It was on really late. It was like 11 o'clock at night or something. But I used to stay up every weekend to watch it. And it's funny because a lot of the people that I look up to now, I, I'm now like friends with them or I know them or I've trained with them. And there were a lot of them on that program. 
So oh. it, it was wicked. General Levy did the the entrance music for it. It was like proper. It was a really good program. Um, and from watching that, I've always wanted to do Muay Thai, but my mum wouldn't let me. I was always fighting at primary school and early <laughs> secondary school. So I think yeah. what the the trick she missed was is that she wanted to. She didn't want to teach me how to fight because I was always fighting already. But that would have taught me even more discipline not to fight as often as I was fighting. Regardless, um, I started when I moved to uni. So I went to, I went, I was in Manchester for university. Sure. And I started there. And the only reason I started, a really, really good friend of mine used to box. And he went, oh, you should come down to the boxing gym because I wanted to lose weight. Um, we were all going on holiday. My mate that went to the boxing gym was in great shape at the time. And my other friend was just really just the average body type, really tall, skinny. Um, and I was the pudding and I didn't want to be the pudding. So we were going away and I was like, no, I need to lose some weight. Um, so I ended up going to the gym, loving it, was training in boxing. And my sole purpose for starting was literally just to lose weight. It was nothing to do with me being a fighter. I had no intentions of fighting. I literally just wanted to lose weight. And one thing led to another. I, I got good at it. Um, my coaches were like, oh, you should compete. And I was like, look, if you think I'm good enough, I think this was after about four four or five weeks, they were like, yeah, you should you should think about competing. And I was like, well, if you think I'm good enough, I'll try it. And I had my first fight, which was a boxing exhibition match. And then after that, I did an interclub at Sandy Holt, who's a like, world-famous kickboxer and Muay Thai fighter. Um, I did an interclub at his show. And I, I remember the adrenaline buzz because we drove back from Manchester to London. And I was in the car and I was like this. My hands were shaking for like four and a half hours because I had just so much adrenaline. And I loved it. And I never felt anything like it before. And I've never smoked or taken any recreational drugs or anything like that. So I can only compare it to what I've been told is that initial first high that I got. I was constantly chasing that high. And that was what got me into fighting, really. Um, yeah, it was never a plan. It was nothing I ever wanted to do. It was just weight loss. That was my main sole purpose for doing Muay Thai. And that was it. Yeah, fast forward some, what, about eight years now? Eight years. Eight years, going on nine years. Um, yeah, we are where we are. That's, uh, now that, I, I love that, how you just think, you know, just go here, just do a basic weight loss journey, basic fitness plan. That was your, that, that's the initial intention. Then you come out the other side of something way different, way better than what you had, um, initially hoped to achieve. Now that, that's, uh, really good. They say that the sports, such as the into combat sports, the boxing, the judo, um, BJJ, kickboxing, actually because of how you're high performing the movement, the kicks, the punches, the strikes, whatever, it really does tone and exercise virtually every single muscle in your body. This, that's why you guys are always so slim. Maybe the exception of those maybe in the heavier weight divisions, but usually the lightweight, featherweight, um, um, light heavyweight, you're generally in good shape. Yeah. True. Um, I've not always been the classic stay in shape all year round guy because I enjoy food and going yeah. out and socializing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the most part, and especially very early on in my journey, yeah, it was life. Um, there was nothing else. You stop drinking, you stop training outside of the gym. Everything is done in the gym. Like gym becomes life. So I used to play football, I used to play rugby, I used to do a lot of other sports, but all of that got put to one side and it was all about Muay Thai. So going out every weekend and getting drunk and eating rubbish, it it stopped. And that was never, it it was weird actually because it was almost like someone, I literally just flipped a switch and everything changed. And a lot of my mates at the time couldn't work out why I was, putting in so much work and so much effort into this sport. Obviously, fast forward nine, eight years now, and they all look at it. They all say, feel like we're so proud of you, what you've achieved. And we remember when you was a pudding and when you were out on the, the lash every weekend. And, and yeah, it literally completely changed my life. 
um, for the better. And, and yeah, I've never looked back or changed anything. I, I, the journey has been amazing. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very happy for you. I'm glad it's worked out really, really well. Um, so another question I did tend to ask um, people associated with the sports is that um, at the beginning of the, in the early stage of, stages of the career of the journey, um, has there ever been any concerns for health, like say when you're in, when you're competing or even when you're sparring, uh, any concerns for, like any injuries make which seem to sensitive areas, especially like your head? And I've got it by can assume that there was mm-hmm. because you say your mother didn't let you um partake in was it judo or so um uh, before you went to university when no you got i did seen... judo but she wouldn't let ah. me do the muay thai aha uh-huh. yeah she wouldn't let you do the muay thai but when you got to university then you started doing the muay thai so there were certain, certain concerns yeah. for you getting hurt yeah um i i think at the beginning because I was young, I was 24 at the time when I started, so I wasn't really overly concerned about any damage or getting hurt or anything, I was just so engrossed in the sport and learning and and like learning a new technique and being able to pull it off in sparring or training and stuff like that, so it wasn't, I think with anything, when you first start, you're so enthusiastic and you just want to like encompass yourself in the whole sport. And that's what I did. Um, touch wood, I've never really ever taken like major damage. Um, and I've been quite fortunate. So I've never yes, had like yeah. any cuts. So I got like a scratch on my eye in one fight, but that was in a B class fight. And I think a toenail hit me in the, in the eye, but that was about it. I've been needing a face in a C class fight, which, Technically isn't allowed, but that was my own fault for putting my head down and the guy threw sure. the knee and it caught me in the face. But I've never been cut in a fight with an elbow or I've never been knocked out. I've never broken anything, well, in terms of like my legs or I recently got some damage to my, it from my last fight actually in my wrist. Um, so albeit that I'm training, I'm not training at the same intensity because I'm just dealing with this problem with my wrist at the moment. But I've never, other than that, I haven't actually taken any physical, like really bad long-term damage. I think the most damaging thing that I've ever done or the most damaging thing that I've ever had from fighting, it's more probably the effects of weight cutting. Weight cutting is more probably the thing that bothers me the most. But since I've gone up in weight, Weight cutting has become a lot easier. I've got a new nutritionist. Shout out to Condition Nutrition. Um, amazing guy, Peter Miller. Really, really good. I highly recommend him. Um, but since working with him and my new uh, strength and conditioning coach, shout out to Will, uh, my manner as well, uh, bang on six, everything just fell into place. And I kind of carved out... Uh, reputation I guess at fighting at super middleweight but it was killing me to make the weight so we went from super middleweight and I won most of my accolades at that weight and I was winning so my coach didn't really want me to go up in weight Uh one of the issues I have at my height everyone's a lot taller than me that I fight but I'm usually the stockier more powerful one so my coach was like if you go up in weight one they're going to be bigger and stronger Two, they're going to be a lot taller. And three, you're going to have to almost carve yourself a journey again at that weight. And I was like, well, to some degree, I, I get it. I've, I've built my reputation at that weight. But I don't feel I should have to start again when yeah. I'm at the level I was at. And other people can go up and down the weight classes and don't have to start again. So why is it any different for me? And obviously, I got the opportunity to fight at a heavier weight for that belt. Um, and yeah, we made it happen, but yeah, making that weight wasn't an issue at all. Um, but I think going back to the original question, my biggest concern was weight cutting. I, it, it's, it's not fun at all. And I understand why certain people don't fight or they've retired from fighting because that element of the sport is just, it's just not fun. Mm. It, it's not, it's not fun. It is dangerous. 
fighting is dangerous. Yes, it is. But that weight cutting process isn't great. But it's part and parcel of the sport. So, yeah. Yeah, I have heard some some situations. Uh, in fact, some you, you must have seen um, during the weigh-ins. And I remember this for a UFC event. During the weigh-ins for the women's uh, a women's fight for their weight division, uh, this particular female athlete steps on the scale. I think she actually collapsed because she had lost so much weight. In other cases, I've heard some people release so much weight that their brains and their skull. So you've you've heard of that? Yeah, that's that's normal. I've, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, I've known people that have actually lost their life through weight cutting. It's not fun. It's the most difficult part of the sport. For me, the dieting, the training, the running, the the whatever it is you're doing to get yourself ready to prep for a fight, all of that is the easy bit. Yes, it's tough. It's not not everyone can do it, but for me, the whole the most difficult part of any weight camp or fight camp, sorry, is the weight cutting. Mm. It's just not a pleasant place to be. And I think if you can mentally and physically get over the the physical and the, the difficulty of the the actual weight cut itself, then you've you've completed seventy percent of the fight. Yeah, yeah. For me, the easy bit is getting in the ring and enjoying yeah. myself and showcasing what <laughs> I've learned and the progression. That that is the easy bit. That's playtime. But the, the difficulty is the dieting and the weight cutting. And the, the physical weight cutting is is horrible, and I understand why a lot of people just don't want to compete because they don't want to go through that headache. And I know a lot of my friends and former fighters and coaches and stuff would they'll all turn around and say, "I will never fight again because I don't want to do weight cutting. I want to live a life. I want to enjoy myself." And the weight cut for me was was the most difficult part. Yeah, that, that that does make sense. You said that it's one of your friends and coaches. They said that they they don't just don't fight anymore because of the weight, losing weight is just so so hard. Because I get it. Once you lost all that weight, you're already feeling weak and so mm. depressed, and then you still have to go and fight at that weight as well. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Like the the yeah. whole, and obviously I can't change this. This is how it's been for God knows how long, but. You, when you actually think of the concept of weight cutting, you cut weight and you're only ever that weight for at best three or four hours. Yeah. As soon as you jump on the scales, you register your weight, that's it. And then you gotta go and fight at another weight. By the time you refuel, rehydrate, start eating again, you're never the same weight that you started at. Yeah. So it seems quite silly to lose all that weight. Then to go and fight a, a, another weight that no one even cares about the day after. And classically, you've seen people turn up at weigh-ins and they're nearly dead. They're like yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. They look like they're about to fall over. And then you see them the day after and they look like Superman again. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And you have to uh, you have to take your hats off to the likes of like UFC, WBC now have now introduced it. Um, 1FC now do it, the rehydration clauses and the rehydration um, protocol where they'll check your weight like every 30 days. So you're fighting at a weight closer to your actual walk around weight. Yes, yeah. As opposed to you having to cut crazy numbers to make a fight. And I've, I've seen it, people not even being able to walk on the scales without the assistance of their coach. Like that, that's not fair. That's not right. That shouldn't be allowed you know what i mean like at the end of the day fighter safety should be paramount yeah it should be first and foremost yeah. but if somebody's having to cure themselves to make weight for a fight it's not safe but unfortunately this is the game no no, no definitely i mean depending on your body type even uh certain people or you know, your frame really it's uh not a good idea to lose so much weight. I think certain people maybe they can get away with it, but even then there's a limit that they really can't cross before certain serious problems start to occur. Um, but you know, um, like me myself, I know if I'd lost so much weight, I, I'm quite they say not fat or necessarily muscular, but if I lost so much weight, I know that even though I may look good, I may not feel it because I just feel so uh 
so I wouldn't I feel so depressed, so tired and so depleted, you know. You're depleted, you are depleted, and that's exactly what we're doing. Um when you think of what you actually have to do, most people either use two one of two methods, they either use the sauna or the water loading in in the baths to, to get rid of the excessive weight. And if you just break it down to its most basic form, you're sitting in a hot bath for virtually as hot as you can take and boiling yourself. That like, I'm not, I'm I'm not a piece of meat. Do you know what I mean? Why why am I boiling myself to get rid of the weight? But that is the game. Is there's no magic pill or there's no running's only going to do so much for you to actually make your competition weight. But as I said, it's been like this for years. Don't get me wrong. As times have changed and uh, technology and science has improved, people have found different ways and easier ways to manage weight cutting and making it more healthier and safer. Um, that's what your nutritionist is for. And it, nowadays, some of the stuff that they can do is is they're they're like magicians. They're like wizards. Yeah, but yeah. that's their job and that's why they do their job and that's why they're very good at their job because they've studied the the processes and they've done their experiments and found ways to make it easier in the safe for the safety of the fighters. So yourself, um if their files coming up and if I um I am gonna ask when your next fight is gonna be, but let's say for um just as an example, your next fight's going to be, let's say, a month away or a month and a half away. How would you go about preparing for the um, for the fight, including making weights and, um, you know, your nutrition and so on? As soon as we're in fight camp, yeah, that's it. Um, you start reducing your calorie intake. Uh, you start increasing your water intake, uh, and little things like this is go amiss. Although you're trying to lose weight, water is, is amazing because you take it in and it helps you flush out your toxins. It helps you flush out. It helps lubricate your joints and everything else. So water is great because you need water to fuel you, but also to flush you as well. So it, it's weird <laughs> yeah. how, how the body works, but yeah, your water intake, increases you you're obviously eating and drinking well you're eating less but you drink more um then training you up your training so i I can only go by how i train and how we do it in the gym but my last fight camp honestly lasted six months i started from october it was the biggest fight of my career i grafted for that fight and i made sure that every stone was on wasn't left unturned um, so the diet from October last year, I was constantly dieting, um, training anywhere between two and three times a day, okay. even on, on off days. So Sunday was usually like an off, like weekends with the off days, but I was still training, even if it wasn't pads or hitting the bag or I w- wasn't a run, it was like an active rest where I was swimming or I was on the bike, so I was just burning the calories, slowly chipping away at the weight. Yeah. Um, as I said, nutrition is really, really important. So uh, from October right up until, I'd say, February, um, I've been doing it long enough now to know how to diet. So I was doing everything right, and I lost the majority of the weight or a large chunk of the weight up until that point. And then that's when I introduced my nutritionist, um, they tweaked a few things, gave me some uh, tips and set menus and stuff. Um, and then as soon as I did that, the weight started dropping off me again because I plateaued for a while. And then, yeah, the extra push with the new diet worked amazingly. And then, yeah, and then I had to do the baths and the, the hot baths and the saunas. And then, yeah, the weight just fell off. So that's a typical fight camp for myself. But as I said, every fight camp, every time you, you're learning, you learn more about your body because you, your body's constantly changing as well. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm not, I'm not 24 anymore, so my body doesn't perform the same way it does now. So you, you have to work around it. And I, I've been suffering with injuries as well throughout that fight camp, so we had to tweak training slightly and 
there was a lot going on. But yeah, you you just do what you need to do. So you were saying about the um, how you prepared for the uh, for the fight that you had, the most recent fight you had against Dan Bonner. Uh, yeah, you spent six months, which that's um, that's going to be clearly in the ring. That it showed that you'd really um, put the time and the effort preparing for what you called is the the biggest fight of your career. So definitely it was all worth it. Um, yeah. I know this may sound weird, um, but they do say that. Um, but okay, let, let me say it anyway, and not to kind of be funny or anything, but um, the acts of going into the sauna and um, say, saying, and is it a hot bath or so you said, mm-hmm. uh, which helps to, I think what that's the purpose of that is to just to ensue and to kind of encourage, is it extreme sweating of the, of the salt and the fat? Yeah. Um, as silly as it sounds, I mean, would you still, would you still say it's something that not, Nobody should really try, as in, because you you have people that have this thing here in the UK. There's a obesity epidemic uh, in a country like the US. It's far worse, although in the US there's yeah. I think there's less help available in terms of their healthcare. You really got to take a personal responsibility. Over here, even with the NHS, people still making the choice of choosing unhealthy foods over the healthy foods, and even at that, they do not go for exercise. They're very inactive. How you guys make weight for a fight? Um, would you say that's something that really shouldn't be tried by just the ordinary people, um, or the average 100%. Joe? 100%. Definitely don't try this at home. It's, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for... I've been doing this now for eight years, so I've tested my body and slowly introduced this for for my sport. It's not something that the average Joe, or as we call him, the civilian, should be doing. Um, it, it's a short-term fix for a purpose. If somebody on the outside just wants to lose weight, then do it like every other normal person should. Hard work, training, dieting, nothing worth having in this world comes easy. So if you want it, you need to go and make it happen. Um, so, yeah, don't look for the short-term fix. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to work. I've had to train and work and get my body to a, a level where it can cope with that. And that's the difference between me being a professional and the average Joe being an average Joe. Do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I've, I've tried and tested and taken myself mentally to some really deep waters and physically to some deep waters to make weight for fights and yeah, it's not for everybody. So, no, it's not something that I'd advocate anybody trying. The problem is, um, I think where people may choose to do this, even though, um, regardless of how extreme it clearly is on your body, it's just that when it comes to like, being active or going out for a walk or running or going to the gym for some sort of in a healthy, active exercise, people just are too lazy to go and do that. It's just too much stress for them. Some people are even too embarrassed because, you know, they're really big. And and it's a shame, really, because if people are embarrassed or ashamed or don't have the confidence, they're, they're hindering their life and their lifestyle. You're not living the life you want to live in. You don't, you're not happy with the way you are. It, it, as blunt and as easy as it is for me to say it, you just got to get up off your ass and get something done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I know that because I've done it myself. Mm. I was once the stereotypical pudding. I, that was me. I was, I had a big belly. Mm. I just, I used to eat and I used to drink and, and that was my life. I changed my life for the better through my hard work and determination. Nobody else, no one gave it to me. Um, but if you, you, you can only do that if you want to do it. And I think it's quite easy to blame work or life or time or 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 anything else in life other than you need to get up and get it done. And I, I think that's the main thing to take from that. If you want something, make it happen because no one should give it to you. Yes, yes. I, I completely agree with that 100%. You say that you were the stereotype, stereotypical 
pudding. But looking at you and even looking at the pictures on Lyland, uh, I've seen some pictures of you as, as a kid. You don't strike me as someone who's ever been fat. Maybe a bit, not exactly shredded, but you don't look Maybe. like that. So, at uh, all. Yeah, there, there's a photo in particular that, that I've got on my phone and it's quite a reminder. And that was me at my one time heaviest. Um, I was 106 kilos and that was sheer alcohol and fast food. No training, nothing. That was just, that was just the lifestyle I lived. At my lowest, I fought at 75 kilos. So, yeah. Um, Moving on to something a bit um, different, you don't seem like a sort of person that, because uh, where you speak, where you come across, it is quite um, articulate and, you know, quite clear, intelligent. Trash talking, uh, just to hype up any fight you're going to compete in, you don't do that at all. It doesn't interest you. I mean, I get that it doesn't look good or so. I mean, it would look interesting and fun, but just to get more attention on the event and, Head there, and hence why the pay per views go up. You get paid more for the fight, and so is your opponent. Um, that's never interested you just to get more attention onto what you're going to be competing in. No, never. Um, and thank you for your compliments. Um, no, I, I will never do it. it. It doesn't interest me in the slightest. Uh, at the end of the day, me. Trash talking, hyping up the fight, slandering my opponent does nothing for me at all. One, it's not going to pay me any more money. Um, Muay Thai doesn't work like UFC or boxing and we don't do the gloves are off or face to face or we don't get win bonuses and I don't get a wage plus a win bonus if more people and I don't get paid anymore. So, What's the point? I can talk, sit there and talk as much crap about somebody else and then walk into the ring and get knocked out. What? Yeah. And then who yeah. does that fall on? Who looks the idiot then? I, and I've always been like this from the very beginning that I started, right up until present day, I do my talking in the ring. Yes, and I've yeah. Well documented that I, like I want to be known as the gentleman and the nice guy outside of the ring and the absolute C-U-N-T in the ring. But, I will take that. Just as long as I do my job in the ring, yeah, then yeah. no one can say anything outside. And and it's funny because I, Dan Bonner, the guy I fought, he's called me out before. And it, was, it wasn't it was a disrespectful call out. It, he just referenced my name and said they wants to fight me, then fight somebody else. We had the fight. I've done my job. There was another guy that called me out as well. And for, for the longest while, he's been calling me out. We was meant to fight multiple times. Um, and it just never happened. And then I was meant to fight three weeks after my last fight, but I've got the injury with my wrist, so I can't fight. And that would have been nice to have shut two people up that have called my name. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, to some degree, a call-out is is an indirect compliment, an underhanded compliment, um, because if I wasn't good at what I did or, or if... If I was that bad at what I did, you would have no reason to call my name. And if you feel that you're better than me, what? If you felt you're better than me, and you calling my name, it obviously shows that you feel that you need to call my name to better yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is an indirect compliment, and I don't know if that's maybe because I'm the optimist. That's the way I choose to look at it. But you can call my name out as much as you want. At the end of the day, I'm not. Mayweather and they're not Conor McGregor and hyping the fight is not going to pay us any more so what's the point mm. and I've seen it yeah. the trash talking I'm going to batter you I'm going to do this to your family I'm going to and then you yes. go in the ring and get beat up and then it's just yeah. like you become a laughing stock and then you're you're <laughs> the, the, you're on every highlight reel going and you're yeah. the meme that goes round forever getting knocked out and and no it's not it's not my style i i can't I, it it it's very distasteful for me and it's not 
something I will ever get involved in. I, I've been sat in promos and interviews and people have tried to prod and really get me to, to say something. And I, I just won't. Really? Yeah, it doesn't bother me. It, I, oh, this person said this about you. Well done to them. Prove it on the on fight night. Prove it in the ring. If that's how you feel, do it in the ring. Hmm. It, it's just not been any anything that I felt that I needed to jump on or or rise to. So, so some people they actually they actually keep they they want to get into that spat. They want to get a rise yeah, out yeah. of you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I know of fighters, and it hasn't directly happened to me, but I know of fighters that have been pipped to fight. And then they're constantly getting a flurry of messages from said person that they're fighting just to wind them up or they're screenshotting stuff or they're highlighting previous fights and saying, oh, I'm going to batter you. I'm going to do this, that and the other. And then when it comes to the actual fight, they get beat up. And it's just like, you was going to knock me out in the third round. You was going to do this in the third round. You was going to, even in my last fight, there was a video that I was going to get ground down and beat up and knocked out in the third round. It never happened. Yeah. But then it, it just looks silly. I've said all that and I've not done it. If I don't say anything and I do my job, even better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think people know me and respect me for being just that guy. I'm, I'm humble, I'm quiet. I'm not the guy on social media slagging everybody off. It's training videos, football, Muay Thai, music. That That's all I live for. They're my passion. So... And food, so that that's they're the only things I want to get involved in. That, that all that negative bad energy is not for me. If that's the life you want to live. Call my name, do what you need to do. I'll do my talking and my 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 fighting yeah. in the ring, and yeah, and outside I'll be be continue to be known as the good guy, the nice guy, the gentleman, and that's it. I, I don't need anything else. You see, I've heard that if it's in certain, let's say, the, this is now on the side of mixed martial arts, and it could be the same for Muay Thai for the other promotions, but I've heard, like, an example is in the UFC, um, Kobe Covington, a, a few years ago, I think he was a completely different character to what he is now. A lot more humble, a lot more nice, a lot more pleasant, much more like a gentleman. And I think he was told before his, uh, before a particular fight that he was told by the UFC and I don't know what that, doesn't matter whether you win this fight or lose this fight. We are cutting you from our roster if you do not change your character. And from there, I think from then on, he just, um, he completely changed his whole demeanor. And, you know, I've heard that if, if you're not like that at all, certain um, promotions, certain, so, so yeah, certain promotions just won't have anything to do with you. There's a certain culture you've got to be part of. If you're not part of that culture, you really are waste that they feel they're wasting their time on you. 100% and, it, it it happens all of the time. If you're not the stereotypical trash-talking jerk and you're not cussing everyone and insulting everyone and doing something controversial, then you're not liked. You're not the popular guy. Yeah. And you, there's that saying, um, the good guys never come, always come last. And it's like, and it kind of falls on on just that. Because I can name multiple fighters that were very, very good at what they did, but just because they wasn't the trash talker, yeah, or they didn't sell tickets because they didn't talk smack and insult everybody, they got dropped or they wasn't popular. It happens in football. The guys that are silent play their game. They're really good on the pitch, but because they're not in the papers or they sell shirts, they get dropped. Mm. Or they get put to the back of the queue because they're not the controversial one. And it, it shouldn't be like that. But boxing, I think, is more probably the most controversial for it. If you don't sell tickets, you get you get forgotten about. And you got guys like Andre Ward, one of undoubtedly the best fighters that ever lived. But because he wasn't the trash talker, because he always used to reference his religion and because he was always really respectful and polite he wasn't the major superstar that he should have been. He wasn't given the credit that he should have been. Whereas you get somebody of a Mayweather who's shouting and trash talking and insulting everybody, it sells. And who's the more successful one out of the two? Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think Muay Thai doesn't get it as much 
One, because the, the sport's quite, it's quite encompassed in, in spirituality and Buddhism. And you'll see that a lot of the ties are quite humble and respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they may say, yeah, the fight's going to not go the distance. I may knock my opponent out in X, Y, and Z round, but they're never really disrespectful with it. Mm. Um, but this Western culture is really taking on that boxing UFC ideology and everybody seems to be wanting to be the next McGregor or the next Mayweather or, and, and it's silly because it's not reality. And you're something... playing up to the camera for, for other people's entertainment, which I don't yeah, agree with. Yeah. But yeah, eats to their own. Everyone will do what they need to do to, to eat. But yeah, that's not my style. I think it's, it's something, it's more, yeah, it's more associated with uh, mixed martial arts and boxing, but in particular, you see with the fighters coming out of the UFC. In Bellator, you really don't see that, and that kind of ventures onto other things such as pay. In Bellator, you will sacrifice a lot of the fame and notoriety for pay, whereas in the UFC, you will sacrifice a lot of your salary for yeah. the fame. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I've... It's been a real pleasure um, speaking with you. It really is. Um, I felt very nervous speaking to you for the first time because you are a, quite a big name in uh, combat sports here in the UK. Um, so I was really nervous. Um, but look, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Family, friends, affiliates, and sponsors? Yeah. Um, oh, the, the list is endless. And if I miss anybody, I'm, I'm very sorry. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, all my family and friends, my training partners, the gym. And all my sponsors, um, medical, uh, physio, be it sports, um, TWS, the weekend studio, leapfrog, um, members of society, bang on six, my manor, bloodline gym, uh, mango corner. Let me see if I forgot anybody. <laughs> um, there, there, there is. Everybody that ever pays me any attention, anybody, uh, the QR unit as well, um, my sparring partners, my coaches, all the gyms that I visited over the, the fight camp, just just everybody that ever paid me any attention deserves a shout out. And anybody that gave me a chance, I am forever in your debt. And that, that is, it is very important to me. So I do appreciate all of your help and I am just checking if I've missed any sponsors. I apologize. So a lot of people supporting you then. A lot. There's there's a lot. There's a lot. This is why when it comes to this question and I always miss somebody, I feel bad. But here we go. Um, Tremor. Tremor exclusives. Members of society, I said. Zinger Shot. Notorious Fight Gear. Sweet Mum's Food. um, Panther in Peak. The Dog Pit. Athlon Rub. Um... And just, yeah, everybody that has ever helped or even sent me a message of good luck and faith or well done, I appreciate it. I always have done and I always will do and it will never be forgotten. Before, well, before I do end this, and it's, it's something I should have asked you before, um, I asked you to give the shout outs to, um, to when are we going to be seeing you answering the ring again? When can we see you fight again? Um, honestly, I'm in the process of, Dealing with my my wrist, my hand. Um, Thursday, I've got another appointment, so hopefully things go to plan and I get the all clear and we can move forward. Uh, there's potential chance that I may may have to have surgery, so we'll find out on Thursday. Um, and then yeah, we'll we'll see. I think for me now, I've got to a stage in my career and I said this before that it needs to mean something to me me just having a pointless fight against somebody doesn't do anything for me now I've got nothing to prove to anybody um, I think I've proved to myself and I think that was the only person I needed needed to prove anything to that I can do it and I've done it mm. um, but I think the only thing that will really get me out of bed now to f- have another fight would be fighting for the WBC world title, so the green and gold belt, or a shot at 1FC, which is undoubtedly the biggest Muay Thai promotion in the world. Um, 
them two things really excite me and I'd be stupid not to to challenge for them. Um, so I think if the opportunity arose for me to do either one, I'll snap it off uh, in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't even hesitate. Um, there's conversations going on, shall we say, but we'll see. So I'm not going to, I'm going to allude to tell you anymore, but um, if, if either one of them two things were to happen, then you're going to be seeing me in, as soon as I'm able to, you're going to be seeing me again. Um, but until then, I'm just going to keep training, sort my hand out, keep teaching and just keep doing what I'm passionate about and, and what I love and giving back to others. And I think that's where my main focus is at the moment is giving back to others. Um, I manage all the amateurs now in the gym. So for me, that's a, a big responsibility um, something I take quite seriously. I take more seriously than my own career, if I'm honest with you, because I want to see others progress. I want to see people prevail. I want to see people go all the way. I want to, I want to see people surpass me and do more than me. Um, but with me helping and with my tutelage and my guidance, and I want to pass on the knowledge that my coaches gave me to others. So, Fighting is less important to me now than it is than teaching is. Teaching is where where I'm really my main focus. So yeah, if any one of them two shots come up, my hands recovers and I'm well, then then we go again. Or if another massive opportunity comes up, then we go again. But until then, I'm just gonna keep ticking over, keep the weight down, keep training, keep learning, keep growing, keep getting better, improving. And um, yeah, who knows? One, just one last question. You, you, yeah, you, no you mentioned that you may, if an opportunity comes, if it's in one one FC, then you may compete there. So that brings you on to another topic I really should have asked earlier. Um, would you ever consider probably branching out to further areas, say, say other, um, other arts that are much more closely related to mixed martial arts or mixed martial arts is a combination of so many of them mm-hmm. um, and if, if you did that would you consider going to fight some of the bigger promotions I don't think at this stage of my career I'd go and fight mixed martial arts um, okay. I did consider it but I think I I made a choice I, I trained jiu-jitsu as a hobby Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a hobby Love it, really enjoy it. Um, but would I do it? Would I do the grappling on a full time basis along with mixed martial arts? Honestly, I doubt it very much. Um, I'm, I'm getting on now. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And for me to learn jiu jitsu, I know what I'm like. So for me to get my jiu jitsu at the same level now as my Muay Thai and my striking, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah, no, yeah, so I, I don't want to be putting myself in positions where I'm ill-prepared because if I go in now as a as an amateur MMA fighter, one, a lot of people aren't going to want to fight because of the striking and the stand-up. Yeah, yeah. My advantage in that. Um, but two, there's going to be really high-level and really experienced MMA fighters that have got the ground game to a tee. And one of my training partners, Yusuf Ali Talib, had exactly that recently. He fought, he made his MMA debut, um, and he came up against a black belt jiu-jitsu grappler to his high level, um, kickboxing and stand-up. And it was a, a really, really tough fight. He prevailed. He knocked the guy out. It was a great fight. Um, but it was a, a massive risk, but because he was struggling to get fights, he didn't really have a, a choice. Mm-hmm. And his jiu-jitsu is a lot higher than mine because he's been training in it a lot higher, a lot longer than I have. But I wouldn't put myself in that position. I don't feel I need to put myself in that position. Yeah. I'm more than content with all my achievements. I've, I've far surpassed all my initial goals and my goalposts and everything. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm more than content with where I'm at. And I don't need to be getting some other guy ringing off my neck or trying to break my arm or I'm, I'm, I'm good. 
Phil, thank you so much. Thank you. Definitely, we have to get you on the show again. Um, and please send me the um, the links of all the guys you mentioned. I'll include them in the description for the YouTube um, video uh, below. Thank you so much. Take care. Pleasure. All the best. Look after yourself.